life coach fired me last Thursday. She said I wasn't learning from her. I wasn't being authentic in my relationships. That I don't love myself. That my family completely fucked me up. That I'm monogamous, and the fact that I hired a poly-specializing life coach was basically crazy. She couldn't do it. She couldn't work with me. In all reality, I wasn't surprised. I knew she didn't support my relationship with a partner who's polyamorous. She didn't believe it was right for me. In large part because I vented all my fears to her. And in all fairness, I had spoken to her following a particularly nasty argument with my partner. And she was coming from a place of concern and good intention. She asked me what I would say to a client who's doing what I'm doing. And when I told her, I'd encourage them to try all the things. Experiment, study, explore, do what they need to do to figure themselves out. She said that was why she hated being a therapist. I don't blame her. It's hard to see someone we care about do things and make choices we don't think are right for them. It's hard not to take it personally when you're working with someone and they don't do the things you think they should do. It can be incredibly frustrating when they say they want one thing, but then go a completely different way. But over the years, I've learned not to take it personally when people do things I don't understand or necessarily agree with. I've learned to explore with them, ask questions, reserve judgment, trust their process, even when it's incredibly annoying to witness and walk through. Because I don't know them better than they know themselves. I don't know what's best for them. Nobody gets to know what's best for someone else. Unless they're literally being abused by a partner, it is not up to me to tell them when to stay or when to go. I'm honest with them and point out red flags, narcissistic behavior, patterns of behavior, addictive tendencies, codependency, boundary violations, emotional manipulations, and if I think they're being used for money or other support. I straight up tell them what I see. If they don't come back, that's okay. Except they do come back. They trust me because they know I'll be honest with them and I'm there with them through their process. No matter how strange or messy I may find it. What bothered me was when her casual dismissal of the business my partner and I have started by labeling it as a hobby. When she said on two occasions, I was clinging to him as a way to be a part of the cannabis industry. I was not pleased. Um, excuse me, what? I was his intro to that world. That's my motherfucking world you're talking about, lady. I've been here. I've earned my place by showing up fighting for patients' rights, testifying at the state capitol to the Board of Physicians, the DPH, and the DPC, by writing letters, calling my state reps directly, signing petitions, protesting, marching, and by being super open about my own cannabis use. Because fuck the stigma. I literally started an entire medical cannabis certification practice with a business partner who hates corporate cannabis bullshit as much as I do. I don't need a boyfriend to be a part of this industry or this movement. I don't need products to sell. I want products to sell. I want the best possible products I can think to create 
made by the most talented person I know. I'm a healer. I'm not a chef or a grower. When the happy day comes that my medical cannabis certification business partner is able to grow enough plants that we can start a line for his products, I will be thrilled to bring them to the people. I have been doing exactly what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, with or without a romantic partner for multiple years. I don't do any of this as a hobby. It's my life. It's been my life since I officially became a medical cannabis patient in 2015. I did it for myself and for my therapy patients. I chose to be a guinea pig so I would know the program from the inside out. The fact that I'm doing so much with my romantic partner is fantastic. An awesome bonus. But not a way to anything or anywhere I haven't earned a place in. Is working and playing together love? Or is it enmeshment? Is it codependency? Or is it a fulfilling relationship? I honestly do not fucking know. My coach called it enmeshment. She said that I was mistaking doing things together for love. But for me, love and work go hand in hand. Love is my work. Love is my religion my highest and most sacred core intention. My coach said I don't love myself. I disagree. I love the shit out of myself. I love my life. I love my weirdness. I love that I'm a dog mom. I love that I'm a writer. I love that you have to get to know me to find out how hilarious and adventurous I am. I love that I'm passionate. I love that I'm a sexually carnal being. I love that I'm compassionate to a fault. I love that I help unhelpable people. Sometimes too much. Nobody will be living in my house except me and my dogs, at least not for free or as a human rescue ever again. Nonetheless, I love that I put myself out there. I love that when something makes me uncomfortable, I don't run away from it. That I take discomfort as a sign to dig deeper. The more something triggers me, the more I want to know about it. The more I want to dig out those triggers and heal the places they originate from. I love that I'm ruthlessly curious, relentless in my research, willing to put myself out there, willing to seek expert advice when I don't know the answers, willing to admit I don't know everything, willing to embrace coming from a place of not knowing be it with myself or my patients. I love that I'm willing to be vulnerable, willing to feel my gigantic feelings, even when they feel like absolute destruction and pain. Because I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, they will not break me. They will not make me bitter. They will not turn me cynical. I will never stop loving. I will never stop serving. I'm a conduit, healer, breaker of chains, angelic warrior sold freedom fighter, and master networker whose calling cannot and will not be denied. I am here on this plane of existence at this exact time for these exact reasons. This is my journey. This is my soul calling. I don't expect anyone to understand it 
but I won't cater to those who disrespect it. I love that I'm a huge introvert and general homebody. I'm definitely neurodiverse. ADHD, anxiety, and depression are my normal. As a therapist, I spend hours and hours every day with people talking about their most intimate experiences and traumas. I love the deep, difficult conversations. They energize me. I acknowledge that as an introvert, peopling is wonderful and exhausting at the same time. I love my alone time and guard it fiercely. I appreciate and acknowledge I've dealt with a lot of peer issues, family issues, estrangement and rejection. I'm okay with the fact that I'm slow to put myself out there. Reaching out to anyone, particularly if I'm not in a good place, is extremely difficult for me. My friends and family mirror each other in the ways they have traditionally shown disapproval or disagreement towards me, particularly when it comes to my significant other. Their go-to action is to cut me out. Not completely, but hugely, nonetheless. The cold shoulder, but done like really nicely. There's no fighting or arguing, just radio silence. A heart response to texts. Maybe a couple words. No response to invitations or requests to get together. I love myself for being willing and able to maintain relationships with them, despite this, because I choose to love them so much. Am I angry sometimes? Yes. Does that outweigh my desire to have them in my life? No, it does not. I will continue to show up, forgive, and re-forgive as needed. I'm a badass like that. However, the downside of their tough love approach is that I wind up feeling completely isolated and alone. So I isolate more. When things do go wrong in my relationship, I feel I don't have anyone to talk to or go to. Anyone who isn't secretly judging anyway. I can feel their internal eye rolls. And maybe they're right. But I've learned in life. Sometimes you have to choose between being right and being happy. Between being right and being supportive of other people's journeys. Between your ego and your empathy. As a result, I've ended up staying in relationships longer than I should because I'm human and don't want to be in pain alone. I may forgive and understand why they feel what they feel, but I think it's a shit way of going about things. The kicker is, I regularly encourage my patients to reach out to the people who love them. I feel like a hypocrite because it's something I suck at. The thing is, reaching out to friends or family is hard. I've become hypervigilant and protective of my personal life. I'm well aware of the inward head shaking, judging, and talking of shit. It's hardly an attractive prospect. So when I do it and it doesn't go well, I get angry, guarded, defensive, and shut down. I'm one of those people who would rather chew glass than admit weakness. Why would I want or allow one-sided relationships at this point in my life? I get paid to be a therapist as a job. 
someone venting all over me in my personal life, then turning their back when I have my own shit to vent, is really just using me as their own personal, emotional garbage disposal. Mean girl shit is mean girl shit, no matter how old or what gender we may be. I love that I'm learning. I love that I'm growing. I love that I'm willing to be uncomfortable. That I want to break patterns and cycles that have kept me stuck and unhappy for much of my life. I acknowledge and forgive myself for mistaking enmeshment for love in the past. I forgive myself for mistaking someone coming into my life and making a home in every nook and cranny of it for love. I accept that I've mistaken people giving me access to their lives, homes, families, and friends for love. I have mistaken people doing things for me, going out of their way to help me do day-to-day tasks and activities for love. I have fallen for the two parts make a whole bullshit. Mostly, though, I love that I love. However, it's time to own my fabulous. No more beating myself up. No more taking other people's opinions as fact. Radical self-acceptance, motherfucker. I put in the sweat equity to be a valuable member of an incredible community. I've built my reputation by being a good person, good therapist, and good business owner by being authentically exactly who I am every single day. I have done this nonstop for the last 21 years. I had no idea what I was getting into when I started into this field. Hell, I went to music school. My BA is in performing arts management. I played piano and sang my way through undergrad. Then completely flipped the script and worked in special ed. I was lucky to have work experience that qualified me to work with kids. My summers had been spent as a one-to-one aide for medically and emotionally fragile children at summer camp. My mom worked in the public school system and kind of threw me into it. Thank God she did. After college, I gravitated to the bad kids. The ones who got expelled from the mainstream. The kids who were in and out of the hospital due to the severity of their mental illness who were frequently suicidal, self-injurious, and a danger to themselves and others. The kids who got sent to juvie, or were at risk of being sent there. The kids who lived in residential treatment centers, because their families were so dysfunctional it wasn't possible for them to stay there. If they even had any living family members. The kids who ran away, or got kicked out of foster placements. The kids you'd probably cross the street to avoid if you saw them coming your way. Yeah, those kids. They were my people. They still are. One summer I was assigned to be a one-to-one tutor for a 15-year-old girl. I usually worked with younger kids, and she honestly intimidated me at first. She was super loud, aggressive, and pushy with the staff and other students. She seemed impossibly tough. I was quiet around her at first. I don't remember exactly what happened, but one day we were down in the home ec lab. I was supposed to be teaching her how to imprint pencils with some kind of labeling machine. It was incredibly tedious, simple work. The kind of work schools like that assume is the best those kids can do. 
I don't know what happened, but I responded with sarcasm. Something along the lines of, I'm not going to bite you, Jesus. It was like, that was what she'd been waiting for. For me to show my humanity and humor. And that I wasn't afraid of her. She looked at me with surprise in her eyes and smiled. You aight, miss. High praise. We quickly bonded after that and became a dynamic duo. When the day came that she snapped, I was there. Well, I was there to answer the emergency call on the loudspeaker. I don't know or remember how it started, but I answered the call of Priority 1 to Room 215. They were words I dreaded hearing. Everyone dreaded hearing when the big kids would go off. The staff had gotten her to walk into an in-school suspension room. There was nothing in there but a desk. And the wooden ruler she had snapped and sharpened to a knife point. I could smell the adrenaline of the staff standing at the door, ready to swoop in and put her in a crisis hold if she didn't give it up. It was a highly intense scene as students rarely succeeded in making their own weaponry. I asked my coworkers for space. They gave it to me while remaining close by. I was very calm. That's my go-to response in a crisis. I may freak out later, but in the moment, I am solid. I asked her if I could come in the room. She was hunched over the desk, drawing the blade slowly over her leg, exposed through her ripped jeans. She had not drawn blood, which is why staff had yet to physically intervene. She responded with the tiniest shrug of her skinny shoulders. I stood beside her, close but without touching. Close enough where she could have hurt me. Close enough to feel her vibrating with anxiety and overwhelm. Close enough that I could smell the cloyingly sweet hairspray she insisted upon wearing every day to scrunch her curls into submission. Close enough that I could reach out and touch her hand. So I did. I crouched down next to her and put my hand over hers. It was sweaty and shaking from clenching the ruler so tightly. Sweetheart, let me take that. Her small sweaty hand eased its grip as she silently released the sharpened ruler. It was a moment of love and trust rarely experienced in my world, certainly not in hers. She didn't want to hurt herself or anyone else. She was just scared and drowning in life issues no child should ever have to worry about. She was so, so human in that moment, and so was I. The day DCF came to take her to her new placement was one of the hardest I've ever had. She hugged me so tightly. We knew she wasn't coming back to the school and that it was unlikely we'd ever see each other again. This was before social media, really. Before even email was a big thing. I kept it together until I got home. That's where I let myself cry. Let myself grieve. Because the kid I'd been the most afraid of and dreaded having to work with, who I thought I could never handle, turned out to be one of my absolute favorite people. I still think of her to this day and wonder if she's out there, what she's done with her life, if she's okay, if she's happy. Ultimately, I left education because despite my love for the students, as a work environment, it didn't serve me. 
My principal literally told me she couldn't possibly give me a more significant raise because I was simply too quiet. I must be ineffective. I wasn't assertive or tough enough on the kids. I was good enough to perform therapeutic restraint holds and get punched, spit on, and kicked every day, though. She had the audacity to pay me $13.99 an hour and tell me I didn't qualify for the extra penny to make $14 because I was too nice. Bitch. I didn't need to scream to make them listen. I didn't need to be a bully to force the respect of my students. I didn't have to be aggressive to be successful. My de-escalation skills were more advanced than do what I say because I said so. Fuck her. Hey, Pat, if you're still out there, fuck you. You're a shitty boss and a worse educator. But here's the thing. You and administrators like you are the reason I didn't go into education. Thank you for that. Thank you. You were exactly the bitch I needed to make me so uncomfortable I chose to forge my own path. You did me a huge favor. I'm actually grateful for you, but I'll never like you. I love that I left jobs and career paths that I was good at, but not satisfied in. Not once, but twice. Two paths, walked away from. It would have been so much easier to just follow the yellow brick road that was pre-built for me. I love that I jumped into the unknown and relied on myself to be my own safety net. Yes, I have a harder time doing that in relationships than I do professionally, for sure. And I can live with that. I love that I can see how and when I've been the source of my own unhappiness, where I've made mistakes. And most importantly, I love that I've owned and forgiven those mistakes. Because what I really love is that for every mistake, something better has come along. Something I never would have found had I not taken the road less traveled. I'll be damned if I don't have the happiest, most magical fucking life I can create. And I assure you, I make magic like no other bitch. Because I am love. In every cell, molecule, particle, and atom. I am blessed. I am protected. I'm made of stars. And so, by the way, are you. Blessed be.